Right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on such a great salvation. More importantly, we're going to be talking about uh, healing this morning and I'll get uh, with that in just a moment. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org and we're on our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And, uh, and uh, we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and your offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply uh, go to our website, again, at lighthousediscipleship.org. Go to our give page, which is in the top right-hand corner, highlighted in blue. And then you can give them anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom foot of every page, you will see our mailing address there. And so we... Uh, I want to say thank you for that, and also if you're in the U.S., just so you know, all your uh, contributions are 100% tax-deductible as they, we are a 5.03 church. So, without further ado, I'm going to jump right into the message. I have a lot to cover again. We've been talking about such a great salvation. Let me do a bigger recap of the series that we've been talking. This is week 14, and again, like I said, all of our uh, previous teachings uh, in this series are in our archives, and all other teachings as well. We spent our first hour, 14 weeks, we're going to talk about basically defining what salvation is. It's a gift. It's not something you can earn. We receive grace by faith, and it's, it's not of ourselves. And then we talk about the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation is not going to heaven or the void in hell. Those are benefits of salvation and big benefits, the major benefits of salvation. But even if, if there was no heaven and there was no hell and there are, Jesus still would have died on the cross so we could have a relationship with a relationship with God is the purpose of salvation. And we can have salvation now. Because Jesus said in John 17, 3, This is eternal life, that you know me. And so we, when we know God, when we know Jesus, uh, when we have a relationship with him, that is eternal life. Okay, And the best thing about heaven is that God is there, and the worst thing about hell is God is not there. Okay, Then we spent a couple weeks talking about the necessity of salvation. And then we went to the benefits of salvation. And there's many benefits, just like heaven and hell, but there's many benefits of salvation that we have described. And they're also, these benefits are also described in the definition of what salvation is as well. And so there's many definitions uh, or many benefits of salvation that we can highlight on, but we've been highlighting three in particular. The first one we spent several weeks talking about the benefit of salvation in regard to wholeness. And then now I think we're in our third week on talking about the benefits of salvation in regards to healing. These are sub-series within the series of Test of Great Salvation because they are the definition, these words, this word healing is the definition of the, of the word salvation in both the Greek and the Hebrew, and uh, as well as the benefit of our salvation. Once we're done with healing, we'll spend some time talking about prosperity. And uh, these are all about the benefits of salvation. And I, I could go on and on about and many other benefits of salvation as well. So, again, we're talking about healing. And we, we again, I think this is our third week on this particular segment, a sub-series within the series of uh, salvation that we're talking about. So let's go again to our key verse for this segment of it so far. And that's from th uh, the third book of John. There's only one chapter, verse, again, verse 2. And I'll be reading from the King James for a lot, many of the scriptures this morning. But it will be, it'll be noted down the top. But anyway, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. He goes on to say, For I rejoice greatly with, with, when the brethren came and testified the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk 
in truth. As a pastor, I have no greater joy than to know that you and me are walking in the truth. And, and that truth that we know, I don't want, I don't want, in other words, I don't want to just see people walking in the truth. Yes, I do. But that truth should have an effect on your life. That truth that we are walking in should have an effect on my life. Okay? Well, Jesus, Jesus also said, also recorded in the Gospel of Epistle of John, uh, where it says, And then, then said Jesus to those who, which believe on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay, so uh, Jesus had a lot to say about this, which John recorded in multiple of his books. And I want to echo that same thing. Now, I want to walk in the truth. I don't know if you do, but I know I do. And I want to I want to walk in freedom. And you should know the truth of the truth shall make you free. If we continue in everything but the word of God, we will be deceived. How do we know the truth? We, we, we continue in his word. We're his disciples. That's why this church, I do a lot of teaching. I do a lot of teaching with PowerPoint. Uh, a lot of my words are on PowerPoint. I feel like I'm, I'm PowerPointing my message. And that might seem strange to some of you. But I know I've got a lot of people watching from all over the world. And so I do it this way because I feel like it's been effective. I'm not so uh, worried about that I am making myself look good. I want to make sure that I'm teaching you this truth based on the Word of God. And, 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 have it on, and I know there's some language barriers with those who are watching. And sometimes seeing the words on the screen, uh, I believe has, has helped many people. So that's why I do that. But if we continue in the Word, being His disciples, uh, we, will, we will be free. Because the truth will make us free. But if we continue in everything but the Word of God, we will be deceived by many believing many lies. We don't know they're lies because we're deceived. You can't know something's a lie and, and be deceived at the same time and not be deceived at the same time. The whole idea of deception is that you don't know you don't know the truth. Something has disguised, something has deceived you, something has um, uh, bewitched you in a sense. And so we if we are continuing in everything but the word of God, we can be deceived and believe lies. I believe untruths, okay? But the truth will set us free. And that's what we want to know. That's what we want to walk in. The truth will set us free, but deception and lies will ensnare us. And it's called bondage. In other words, we need to know what God said versus what man said, okay? I'm not so interested in what you have to say or what, what even I have to say. I'm interested in what God has to say. We need to know what God says. And we need to know what God says versus our experience. I don't just need to know what God says versus what anyone else says. I also need to know what God says versus my experience or your experience. You may have experienced this. I may have experienced that. I can't build faith on your experience or my experience. I can build faith on the Word of God. Your experience and my experience can change. But the Word of God can never change. The Word of God can change your experience. The Word of God can change my experience. But your experience and my experience can never change the Word of God. I can only put faith in the Word of God. I can't put faith in someone's experience. Okay? Because we have all had experiences that do not line up with the Word of God. I've had experiences that don't line up with the Word of God. And my experience does not trump the Word of God. The Word of God trumps our experience. And if our experience does not line up with the Word of God, guess which has to change? Our experience. The Word of God gives us the authority to change our experience. 
Your experience does not give the authority to change the Word of God. Okay? And many, but many times we question the Word of God because of our experience. Instead of questioning our life, our experiences, based on the Word of God, what the Word of God says. Okay? We have it backwards many times, including myself and many times. Okay? And many people will abort what the Word says because what they are experiencing or what they have experienced. Instead of resisting what we are experiencing based on what the Word of God says. Again, if, if, if my experience does not line up with the Word of God, I'm not going to abort, abort the Word of God. No, I'm going to resist my experience and command it to change in Jesus' name. Excuse me. Again, I have no greater truth than to know that my children are walking in the truth. Uh, Third John verse four. Okay, when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Now let me say this, and I've said it many times. I'm going to say it many more times. I don't know all of the answers. More specifically, in regards to healing, because that's what we're talking about. Okay, but I do know that God always wills to heal. I know that. We're going to go into some, uh, starting today, we're going to go into five w w reasons why I know that God always wants to heal. Okay? But let me do a little recap of what we talked about last week. Okay? I don't, I, I, I don't have all the answers. And I keep saying this over and over again. I can't tell you why so-and-so died. Okay? I, too, have had many good friends where, whom I love dearly, I don't believe it was their time to go, and I did not see the will of God manifest in their life in regards to healing. Okay? Nonetheless, even though that's happened in my life, I don't question the will of God, and I don't question the word of God. I question my, our experience in that particular situation, in that particular life. Now, last week I introduced uh, a verse that's really been, uh, been, on my, been on my heart all week on a personal level in my own life right now. But in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, <coughs> excuse me again, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have petitions that we desire of him. I'm going to go over this briefly. Uh, you'll have to listen to last week's teaching to go get more detail. But this is the confidence. We should have confidence. Okay? Confidence is faith. Okay? And our confidence comes from asking according to the will of God. Or the word of God. What does faith come from? The word of God. Okay? And our confidence, we have to have confidence. If we don't have confidence, we don't have faith. Or we have faith, but it's not operational. Okay? And I, I don't have time to teach all that right now. But we already have the faith of Christ. If we are, we don't, we don't need more. We all have the, Romans 12, 3 says we all have the same measure of faith. Yeah, I don't have time to teach all that right now. But faith comes from the Word of God. And we can build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Okay? And there's many other scriptures we can talk about. But, again, going back to 1 John 5, 14, John mentions three things here. We need to be confident that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, then whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desire of him. So I broke this up into three things last week. I'm not going to reteach this, but I do want to recap this real quick. Uh, we need, first of all and foremost, we need to know God's will. Okay? Okay? And when we know God's will, 
we can know that God hears us when we pray according to that will that we know. And when and and when we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him when we pray according to His will. Those are the three points. And points B and C on the screen don't really come into effect if we don't know His will. Okay? How can you have confidence if you are iffy about His will? If you don't, if you're not confident about His will, how can you pray with confidence? How do you even know he hears you? And how do you even know that you have the positions that you ask for? Everything starts with knowing the will of God and the word of God. Because his will is his word. And this is what you have to settle in knowing. No matter what you have seen or what you have experienced. Most of us, we have let what we've seen and what we experience dictate what is true. And we need to know God's will. You still have to understand it's God's will to heal, even if you've seen some things and experienced some things that are contrary to the will and word of God. Okay? Excuse me. Because that is where your confidence comes from. Our confidence comes from being established in His word, being established in His will. We have to settle this part because that's where our confidence comes from. Your confidence does not come from your experience. Your confidence comes from the word and will of God. We need to know the will of God because our faith begins where the will of God is known. Our faith begins and ends where the word of God is known. This is a major point I made last week and I want to make it again this morning. That our faith begins, our confidence begins and ends where the will and word of God is known. Okay? God's word again is his will. God's word is both written, the scriptures, and the living Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. Now some will add and argue with me that there's also the rainbow word of God, which is the spoken word of God. And I will agree with that. I teach on that. Okay? I teach about the rainbow word of God. But but. But the context of what I'm trying to, to portray right now uh, in this message is I'm going to just focus on the written and living Word of God. There is a rainbow Word of God. I'm not excluding that. I'm just not focusing on that right now. Okay? But we have the written Word. That's the Scriptures. Okay? That's the Bible. What we call the Bible. We have the written Word of God, and we have the living Word of God, uh, which is Jesus. Okay? And we need to know the will of God on the subject of healing to be settled in. Because God's will concerning healing is found in the written word of God. And we're going to go through that. And we're, we're still barely getting into the series on healing. But we're going to be going over the will of God and God's word. Okay? But God's will concerning healing is not only in the written word, but it's also in the living word, Jesus. Okay? And we're going to be seeing that over and over again in this series. If you want to know the will of God, you need to look at Jesus. Okay? That's a major point I made last week. I'm going to keep making it over the next several weeks. But do you know how many Christians believe God is looking to get you? In other words, do you know how many Christians are afraid of God's wrath? I, I said this last week. I'll say it again this week. That's how I grew up. And it's not because of anything I was taught that, that I can recall from my parents or, or my previous pastors. 
I think it was from my own Bible reading that I came to this conclusion, uh, especially in the Old Testament. But I grew up as a child afraid of God's wrath all the time. And I can't explain exactly how I came to that concept and that perception of, of, of God, but I was, and what's the, whether I was doing good or bad. And I, and some of you are like, you know, well, no wonder you're afraid of God's wrath. You probably were a naughty child. I have my moments, and my parents can attest to that, okay? But I wasn't always naughty. And even when I wasn't naughty, I was still afraid of God's wrath. I didn't have confidence. Okay? I didn't have confidence. Okay? And so I, I was afraid of God. Uh, there was never a moment I was not afraid of God. And something somewhere along those lines that changed, but I'm saying, like, Thankful for that. But what I'm trying to get at from Hebrews 1 3, we, we talked about this last week, how we talked about Jesus who is being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. In other words, Jesus, when he's talking about Jesus, is the expressed image of the Father. Okay? I taught this in a little more detail last week. But if you want to know the nature of God, look at Jesus. And we're talking about how healing is expressed in the written word, and also in the living word, Jesus. Not only is it healing in the written word, and we're going to go over a lot of scriptures in this series, but healing, knowing that healing is the will of God, and God always wants to heal, we don't just need to see the scriptures, we also need to look at Jesus. Because Jesus healed everybody, everywhere, every time who asked. Now you say, well, there's some cities and some places where he didn't heal. That's because faith wasn't there. He, had, he didn't have any, because there was un, unbelief was so large and faith was not present. He couldn't heal them. He, he wanted to. He was willing to. But they wouldn't have it. Okay? And so, uh, but anyone, everyone who asked, he, he healed. Now, he, there's, one, there's one that's kind of close in the sign of Phoenician woman, which we've already dealt with, which we will deal a lot more later. But, she did give what she believed for. And Jesus did say he marveled at her faith. Okay, her tenacity and faith got her, her healing. And we're going to get into that in a little more detail, but he didn't end up refusing her. Uh, there was a lesson to be learned there. We're going to go into a little more detail with that later. But if you want to know the nature of God, you look at Jesus, because Jesus is the expressed image of the Father. Jesus told his own disciples, we talked about this last week, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? Versus believing things about God that Jesus never did. There's many people who are teaching things about God that Jesus never did. And that, that, that's backwards. If the living word didn't even do it, why are we teaching it? Okay? In the Old Testament covenant, as some will argue, if you disobeyed God, curses came upon you, punishment came upon you, God's wrath came upon you. <coughs> Again, we talked about this late last week, but that's the old covenant, okay? But the new covenant reveals that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took God's wrath. Jesus took the curse, and he bore the curse for us. Because of religion, many Christians are afraid of God. And like Adam, many Christians are hiding from God. When Adam sinned in the garden, Adam and Eve, God did not hide from man. Man, Adam and Eve, hid from God. And many people, because of religion and their own belief systems, are hiding from God today because of sin. Okay? 
Many Christians don't have any confidence to come boldly to this throne of grace in their time of need because they don't know the will of God. They don't know the word of God. They don't know the new covenant that we have and the better covenant based on, on better promises. Again, we need to know the will of God, God's will, and we need to know that he hears us when we pray according to that will, and we need to know that we have a petition that we ask of him uh, when we pray according to his will. Okay. Again, going piggybacking on this whole concept that God is pouring out His wrath on people. No, the law brings about wrath, not God. Okay, Romans four fifteen. Galatians three thirteen says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The law brings wrath, and Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that's us, most of us, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise through faith. Okay? David, in Romans 4 8, Paul is quoting a prophecy from David. We don't see him as a prophet, but he did prophesy. And he said, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. What he's talking about. Well, Paul explains this in a little more detail in 2 Corinthians 5 18. Uh, John also records this in, in uh, 1 John chapter 2, but, but it says here, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. <coughs> Excuse me. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed the word of reconciliation. God is not imputing the sins of the world to them. Why? Because people... He made him who knew no sin to be sent for us that we might be the righteous God. God imputed all of our sins on Jesus' account. Jesus took him on the cross. So you're saying if God's not imputing sin on people on the world, the whole world's going to heaven? No. If we didn't, I didn't what I left out here in verse 20, it says you'd be reconciled to God. God reconciled himself to the world, but if we don't reconcile ourselves to God. And what's the reconciliation? That he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. If we don't receive Jesus who took our sin, if we don't receive Jesus who is the propitiation, excuse me, let me say that again. If we don't receive Jesus who is the propitiation of our sin, that's a fancy word for meaning that he was a substitute. He was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. If we don't receive Jesus who took our sin for us, and crucified our sin and buried our sin, then we are then we are of all men most miserable because we have there is no salvation that remains. Okay? And so uh, if we receive if we reject his reconciliation, if we reject what he did for us on the cross, then we are standing alone in our own sins and trespasses. He has made a way to reconcile, he has desired to reconcile, he has performed the reconciliation but if we don't reconcile in our own hearts, if we don't reconcile ourselves to God, then we are doomed. Not because, you know, no one is going to go to heaven, hell because God sent them there. The only reason people are going to go to hell is because they rejected Jesus. They refused Jesus. There's only one sin, and I can teach this out in Hebrews chapter four, 3, 4, and 5, and other scriptures, is that there's one sin, and that is called the sin of unbelief. And that is not believing in Jesus. Okay? And so uh, that's the only reason why people will go to hell. Okay? 
But before the law, this is before Moses, before the law, Abraham was before the law, Adam and Eve were before the law, Noah was before the law, and we have many other examples. Before the law, God was not condoning their sins, but he wasn't punishing them either. Okay? And that's a whole other teaching. I don't have time to go to all that right now. But in the new, now, under the new covenant, God is also not condoning our sins, but he is not punishing us either. And again, I don't have to go to all this teaching this morning on all this, because we, we dealt with a lot of this when we talked about the necessity of salvation. So you're going to have to go to the archives on this. Now, under the new covenant, God has forgiven you. God has made you righteous. He has made you holy through the blood of his Son. True righteousness and true holiness is who you put on. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. That is the truth that is in Christ Jesus that we put off the old man and the spirit of our mind we put on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Holiness is who you put on. The fruit of holiness is living holy. The fruit of righteousness is living holy and righteously. Righteously. The fruit of righteousness, which the book of Proverbs calls, is like the tree of life. Okay? I believe in living righteously. I believe in living holy. But living holy and living righteous is the fruit, not the root. You don't start with the fruit. Yeah, you might get a piece of fruit, get a seed, and plant it, and then you have a root system. But it starts with a seed. Okay? And we are born again not of a crustal seed, but of incrustal seed by the word of God. Jesus is the root. We have fruit in our lives, fruit meat for repentance, as the scripture talks about. Not the root. I'm all about living holy. I'm all about living righteously. But if you are trying to live holy and righteous to become saved, then that is self-righteousness, which the Bible calls as filthy rags. You cannot save yourself. If you think you are saved because of your performance, you are negating the whole cross of Christ. You are preaching an antichrist message that negates Christ altogether. And you're saying that Christ accomplished nothing. I believe in repentance. I believe in righteousness. I believe in holiness. But I believe it's a gift of salvation. And I believe we live righteously. We live holy because we are righteous. We are holy in Jesus Christ. You do not become righteous and you do not become holy because of what you do. You become righteous and holy because of what he did and you receive that salvation. Okay? If you think you become righteous and holy because of what you do, you are telling me that Jesus did nothing. You are mocking the cross of Christ. That is an antichrist message. I don't say that to be mean. I say that to be truthful. And uh, you are holy and righteous in the eyes of God, because of Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. In other words, what I'm trying to communicate right now, because we're, we're talking about healing, but we're also talking about salvation, which is part of healing. Uh, so healing is part of salvation. Okay? Jesus came to paint a perfect picture of God, the Father. And in Colossians 2, it says, in him, Jesus dwells the, the fullness of the Godhead, bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of overall principality and power. I don't want to get on a rabbit trail here with Colossians. I can teach the whole message just out of this. But Jesus came to paint a picture of an unseen God that we could see him. That's what I'm talking about right now. I got a little bit on a rabbit trail there just about righteousness and holiness. But we need to know. We need to, by faith, look at Jesus and we will know God's will. 
that's what I'm trying to put. I got on the rabbit trail, so I'm trying to bring bring us back to where I was I, I was I was at. God has revealed His will through His written word, and He's revealed it through His living word, which is Jesus. And Je Jesus is expressed image of the Father, and we can know God's will when we look at Jesus and what Jesus accomplished to the cross, what Jesus came to do through the finished work of the cross. We can know God's will. Not only for salvation, forgiveness of sins, and holiness and righteousness, what I got off on, but also regarding wholeness, which I also talked about recently, and also about healing, prosperity, deliverance, and more. Last week we got we, we, we talked about the leper and the centurion. I want to go back to the centurion real quick, and we'll be visiting both of these some more later in our te teaching. But going back to Matthew chapter 8, and when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant lying at home is paralyzed, so that's palsy, and dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Again, Jesus said, fast and pray. Jesus knew it was God's will to heal everybody every time. How did he know that? Because Jesus only did what the Father did. And Jesus always healed everybody who came to him who asked. I don't have time to reteach all that again, but going forward, Matthew 8, 8 says, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. And I want to focus a little bit, uh, not so much right now, I want to bring this into the, the equation, but then we're going to talk about some more in a minute. But many of us feel unworthy to receive. It kind of goes back to what I was just talking about, righteousness and holiness. Some people think that they have to be righteous and holy to receive healing. Well, this man wasn't. The centurion wasn't worthy to... None of us are worthy. Only he is worthy. If you think you're worthy because of what you've done, you are blind, spiritually blind. Okay? But Jesus said, for I, no, he, the centurion continues to say, I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. I say to this one, do this, and he does that. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. He wasn't focused on the unworthiness. He marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith in all Israel. He was a centurion, unworthy in his own eyes, and yet Jesus did not condemn him for his unworthiness. Jesus said, I have seen more faith in this, this worldly centurion than I've seen in Israel. That is, that's a compliment to the centurion. That is not such a good uh, testimony for the rest of us. Are you following me? Anyway, I could go off on that, and, but what I want to get to is this is incredible faith. This is incredible confidence. And the centurion recognized Jesus was not here doing his own will. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. And Jesus healed everybody. The Father healed everybody every time, and so Jesus healed everybody every time. Healing is God's will. That's what I'm still picking back in on. Okay? Uh, it is important that we get this established in our hearts that no matter what our personal experience we have had, we need to be established it's God's will to heal Everybody, everywhere, every time. While all of us have not experienced things that, while all of us have experienced things that do not line up with the Word of God, including me, as I mentioned, we don't need to question the Word of God or the will of God. We need to question our experiences. Okay, our experiences change, but the Word of God 
never changes. God's word is forever established in heaven and in earth. And we need to be forever established in God's word and God's will. His word is already established. Whether you believe it or not. His word and his will is established in heaven and earth. And if it's established in heaven and earth, we need to be established in his word and will. Okay? Being established in God's will regarding healing is important for you to receive. That's why I spend so much time on this. Because I want you to receive. If you're not established, if you don't have confidence, you're going to have a very hard time receiving. And, and if you if you don't, are not establishing God's will, not only are you going to have a hard time receiving, but you're going to have a very hard time praying for others to be healed. Okay? There is a confidence that God wants us to have connected to, that's connected to His will. Okay? Because again, our faith begins and ends when the will and word of God is known. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us, and we know that He hears us. We ask, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the position that we desire Him. God wants us to have confidence in Him. God wants us to have confidence in His word and His will. We may not always have confidence in ourselves, and we may not always have confidence in others, but we must maintain confidence in God and His word and His will. Okay? Again, going forward, knowing God's will is important. Having confidence in God is important. Now I want to switch gears a little bit just before I get to my, my main point of my message this morning. I have a lot of more time on that than I wanted to. But James 4, 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Now we've got to establish this church that some things are, are God and you have to submit to those things. And some things are the devil. And you have to resist those things. Okay? Some people are resisting what God is doing and submitting what the devil is doing. We got it backwards. Regarding healing, you have to know it's God's will to, to heal you to submit. If you don't know how confident it's God's will, you won't submit to it. Regarding God and receiving your healing. Regarding healing, you have to know it's God's will to heal you to resist sickness. If you don't think it's God's will to heal you, you won't resist sickness. You won't submit to God and receive healing, and you won't resist sickness. But if you believe for one minute God is the one who is making you sick, if you believe for one minute God is punishing you for something, like the centurion who felt unworthy, that's why I even went there, then you won't submit to God and receive your healing. And you won't resist sickness, no matter what you've done. Okay, why? Why won't, why won't you submit to God and receive your healing? And why won't you resist sickness? Because if you think it's God, you love Jesus too much to resist God. If you believe sickness comes from God, you love Jesus too much to consciously resist God. If your theology, if your belief system believes God is one to put this on you, then you won't, because you love Jesus, you're not going to outright resist God. God is not the author of this sickness that we have endured. He's not the author of COVID or any other sickness. You need to know God is a good God and he wants you healed and the devil is a bad devil and he wants you sick. More importantly, he wants you to die. Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Not God. 
God has come that you might have life and life more abundantly. I'm going to submit to God and get healed, and I'm going to resist the devil and sickness, and he will flee. But many times it does take time, not for God, but for us to renew our minds. I spent a lot of time with this renewing the mind where I talked about wholeness in our, as far as our souls concerned. So we have, and it takes time to renew our minds so we can have the confidence in God and His Word, especially when we lose someone we love. And our faith had the chance to become a shepherd. Jesus only said what the Father said. And G and how, okay? So, anyway, i got to slow down a little bit on this. What I want to start now and go into the next couple weeks. I'm not going to finish this today. But I want to answer, begin to answer the question, how do I know God's will? I spent a few weeks ago talking about eight different myths um, uh, uh, unbeliefs about people have. Now I want to go into how do I know God's will? I keep saying it over. I know that God wants the will to heal everybody everywhere every time. There's five particular things. There's more, but there's five that I'm going to focus on. Uh, these five categories, five principles that I'm going to address. The first one is the witness of the apostles and disciples. See, today we have many schools of thought regarding doctrine. Many different doctrines, more specifically healing, because that's what we're talking about. And there's many, in different denominations, and different groups, there are many schools of thought regarding doctrine, regarding healing. Okay? And we need to know what God says. If we're going to know His will, we need to know what God says, and we need to also know what the apostles say. Okay? And there's three apostles' witness concerning healing in the scriptures that I want to focus on. And that is Peter, James, and John. Okay? These, they, you know, I know your mama might have said this, but he doesn't, she doesn't have a book in the Bible. I know Uncle Joe might have said that, but he doesn't have a book in the Bible. I know your, your pastor or apostle or whatever might have said this, but they don't have a book in the Bible. Okay? James, Peter, James, and John do. Okay? They're apostles, and you might know Apostle so-and-so, but Apostle so-and-so doesn't have a book in the Bible. Peter, James, and John do. And we call that scripture. Okay? And so we are going to, our doctrine is based, founded on the, 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 the apostles' doctrine. The early church were steadfast in the apostles' teaching. And I can take teaches this. I'm not elevating the apostles to God, but the apostles are teaching God's word, and they're recording the scripture as God's word. Okay? And so we're going to look at uh, three apostles, Peter, James, and John. I, I put it in that order here. The slips begin to sound better, Peter, James, and John. But we're actually going to go out of order. We're going to start talking with, about John first. Why? Because we already dealt with this verse. So we're going to be looking at this again. In 3 John, verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. My soul, and I talked about my spirit, soul, and body in my last teaching regarding wholeness. But my soul, the renewing of my mind, is directly connected to my prosperity in God. We're not talking about prosperity yet. It's, it's in this verse, so I mentioned it. We'll be doing a whole series on prosperity uh, later. But my soul, the renewing of my mind, is directly connected to my health as well. Not just my prosperity, but my health. In other words, <coughs> I know we're talking about healing, but there is something God has for it that is even greater than healing. And God wants to help you. 
God wants you walking in divine health where you don't even need healing. Okay? If, but if you are sick, we want to get you healed. There's nothing wrong with needing to be healed. You know, it's not like someone who's walking divine health is more spiritual than those who are uh, need a healing. If, you, if you're sick, let's get you healed. Okay? We will keep praying for the sick to be healed until Jesus comes. We want me to pray for the sick to be healed after Jesus comes because we won't need it anymore. But God wants you walking divine health in the kingdom of God, so you don't even need a healing. Okay? I don't want to dismiss this. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this right now because I'm, it's, I don't want people to get offended. I'm not trying to offend. But walking divine health is better than never needing the healing. If you need a miracle, let's get you a miracle. Okay? We all need miracles from time to time. But one thing about miracles is that you have to live sometimes from miracle to miracle instead of walking in, in divine health and divine victory. You get my point? Okay? I, in other words, I don't want to be living from problem to problem. I want to be living in divine health that God designed for me. At the same point in time, I also understand we are li living still, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, because we also are still human. We still have a human body. We still have to war against sin and sickness. Okay, and it still can come upon us. But even if we're not in divine health in the moment, we can get back there. Okay. I'm going, but one thing I'm trying to make here is that I'm, you know, I understand your mom might have said this, Uncle Joe might have said this, your pastor might have said this, but I've got to believe John over anyone else. Why? Well, John has, has five books in the Bible. Uncle Joe and your mama don't. No disrespect to them, but I've got to believe John versus you. And I've got to believe John versus me. Because I don't have a book in the Bible either. Okay? And I'm being facetious, but I'm making a point. I'm going to believe Scripture. And the apostles wrote the New Testament that we consider Scripture, and I'm going to believe John over anyone else that you love and respect. And same thing anyone I love and respect. Okay? And John says, I wish above all things that you'd be prosper and be in good health. I can go and spend more time with John, but we spent time with John already a lot. I want to go to now, I want to go look at Peter. Like I said, I mean, go out of order on this one. So with this one, let's go to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, verse 31, we have the, 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 the scene of uh, Cornelius and his household being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the middle of that message, uh, Peter preaches a message, and he opened his mouth. And he said of, of truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. I want to read more here, but I want to piggyback on this, this phrase, God is no respecter of persons. In other words, salvation is for everybody. What, what was happening here in Acts chapter 10? Cornelius, the Gentiles, where Gentiles just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, received, received salvation. The apostles, including Peter at this point, did not know that salvation was made available to anyone besides a Jew. God just opened his eyes to a vision, uh, to a sheep coming down uh, or whatnot. And he, through this whole scenario at Cornelius' household, uh, God, God opens Peter and the apostles' eyes that salvation was made to everybody. Salvation, by definition, in Greek and Hebrew, includes healing. 
we didn't necessarily have a lot of healing. We, we did have some miraculous things going on here. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But salvation is, God is not a respecter of person when it comes to salvation. It's made to everybody. Are you following me? Okay? And because salvation is available for everybody, so the word salvation by definition includes healing, and healing is available for everybody. Are you following me so far? Okay, that's, this is the question that we are addressing. Is healing, how do I know healing isn't for everybody? How do I know it's God's will to help everybody? Well, now I'm looking at Peter's account. And not only did Peter say well, that God is no respecter of person, he goes on to say, but in every nation, he that feareth him, God, and worketh righteous is accepted with him. He goes on to say, verse 36, the word which was sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That, that word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea. The word of God was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism of John. Okay, you can read that in Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. Okay, and how that God anointed Jesus Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, who went about went for power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Okay? Peter said, Peter's preaching here in Acts chapter 10, Jesus never made one person sick. Jesus healed everybody who asked. And Jesus never killed anyone to make an example of them or to so other people get saved at their funeral. Okay? Jesus went about doing good. Jesus went about healing all who are oppressed of the devil. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is here today. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is with us. Jesus is among us. Jesus is within us. And just like I'm going to believe John over your mama or Uncle Joe, I'm going to believe Peter over anyone else today. Okay. Peter has a book. You don't. Now, we didn't read from Peter's book. We read from Luke's book, Acts, the book of Acts. Peter does have two books in here. And in the words of Peter are recorded in Scripture. The words of your mama and Uncle Joe, your pastor, are not in Scripture. Okay. Again, I'm not putting disrespect toward your mama. I'm just using this facetiously to make a point that I'm going to believe the Word of God over what anyone else has to say. Okay? Because of what anyone else has to say, no disrespect to Uncle Joe, your mama, or your pastor, but I'm going to believe Peter, John, and James more than they I will believe them. Because what they wrote is Scripture. I believe they wrote more than what is in Scripture, but what they would wrote as a container Scripture, I never believe more than I will believe anybody else. Why? Do I disrespect your mama and Uncle Joe, the pastor? No. But if they contradict what the Word of God says, I'm not going to disrespect the Word of God. I'm not going to question the Word of God. Okay. So, again, Peter says, Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So we looked at Peter, we looked at John, guess who's left? We have James. Okay? James, we'll go to James chapter 5, verse 14. And he says, Is anyone sick among you? That's, he cuts it right to the chase right there. Let's piggyback on that just for a moment. Many people said, well, let's read this. 
If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We're going to look at, we're going to break this up a little bit, look at this a little bit, okay? But first of all, let me just think back real quick. Let him call upon the elders of the church. We'll come back to this, but let me make a point real quick. We, several weeks ago, we had points. I had eight unbeliefs of people believe why they can't be healed because one of those was that healing died away with the apostles. That was the first one that we dealt with. Hey, well, if healing dies away with the apostles, why did John tell us to go to the elders? Okay? Okay? So, anyway, the church that is here today is the same church that was birthed 2,000 years ago. And we have elders today. We have apostles today that were not the original 12. Okay? And John, an apostle, told us to go to the elders. Okay? So, the church is still the beloved of God. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, God loves the church today, the same that he did the early church that was built on the, te the teachings of the apostles. Jesus loves the church today as much as he loves the early church. It's the same church. It's the same body. And James said, if anyone among you is sick, let him call upon the elders of the church and let them pray for over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up on the earth. And if he has committed sins, will deal with them, they shall be forgiven. Yeah. It says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Not the prayer of whining, not the prayer of begging, it's called the prayer of faith. Confidence shall save or heal the sick. Okay. So the prayer of faith shall save the sick. He goes on to say, confess your faults with one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual prayer of a righteous man abandoneth much. Now let me piggyback on this, this section real quick about the, the Effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We'll get back to some of that in just a moment. But let me just say this, because I've already piggybacked on this righteousness a little bit this, this morning. But if you are born again, you are righteous in the eyes of God. Okay. Then again, I quoted this earlier. If you put on the new man, which is created according to God, and true righteousness is holiness. True righteousness is holiness. Is the man that you put on, which is Christ Jesus. Okay? In Christ, I am truly righteous, and not in my own righteousness. I'm not praying in my own righteousness. I'm not standing in my own righteousness. In Christ, I am truly righteous. And by his grace, we have been made the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And if you are born again, you are righteous in the eyes of God. Therefore, our prayers... The righteous God avail much. Am I, am I making sense? We need to believe this. We're not trying to get right. We're putting on righteousness. We need to live righteously as a fruit. But your salvation is not based on what you do. It's based on what he did. If it's based on what you do, then you're telling me you don't need Jesus. Because all you need is you. Okay? Going back here. Confession falls one another, 
pray for one another, you might be healed. We'll deal with that in just a moment. The effective, effective prayer of righteous men avails much. If we are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, and that's because we are righteous in Christ Jesus, our prayers avail much. And they are effective. But let's go back to the beginning of verse 14 where it says, Is there any sick among you? I like that. Because if there's any sick among you, there's no wiggle room. This is everybody. This is all affirmative. This is all positive. Is there any sick among you? That means God wants to deal with any sickness. Nothing is excluded. There's no exceptions. There's no biases. There's no prejudices. Is there any sick among you? You call for the elders of the church, according to the book of James. This calling on the elders is your faith in obeying what God told you to do. I mean, if God tells you to do something and you obey that word, that's called faith. Why? Because you're trusting what he told you to do. It's not the elders who are, are, are God. But you're doing what God told you to do because of the elders of the church. The elders of the church are instructed to anoint you with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord will raise you up. The, the elders are not raising you up. The, the Lord will raise you up. The elder, you are being obedient to the word of God, and the elders are being obedient to the word of God. And so you might say, well, we tried that, and it didn't work. I get that. I've been there. I've said the same thing at times. But if it didn't work, it's on our end, not God's. Okay? God is not the problem. His word is not the problem. It's on our end. I'm not saying that to be mean, and I'm not saying that to condemn us. But if it's on God's end, there's nothing I can do about it. If it's on my end, I can change. If it's on my end, I can grow. Let's go back to verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up, and if he has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now let me say this. I said this a little bit back with the centurion and the leper, but not every sickness, actually it was the, the one who got healed of the King Beautiful, I did with that last week too. Not every sickness is due to personal sin. Okay. However, if we continue in known habitual sin, we can confront problems. And we're going to deal with this more uh, in future weeks, okay? I'm going to deal with this some more. We, we, it needs more teaching to go with this, okay? Not every sickness comes from sin, but I'll, I mean, you know, if we continue in habitual sin, we're going to create problems. And there's several reasons for that. One, we're going to create inroads for the devil. Uh, when there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh, not of God, but of the flesh, you'll reap corruption. And if you continue to sin, you are just opening the door. For, the wages of sin is still death. Okay? And you are opening up avenues of, and inroads of death in your life. But not every sickness comes from that. Every sickness does stem from the curse of the law where Adam sinned. But not every personal sickness that we've had became, came from a personal uh, sin. Some have, some haven't. Okay? 
He says, In the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up in the last day. If he's committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. You need to listen to this very closely. Okay? Some people get really messed up on this passage of scripture because of what they think they heard. James is not saying your sins have anything necessarily to do with this particular sickness. It may have, but he's not saying that every sin, every sickness has to do with sin. Or a specific sin. He is saying, don't let sin, like the centurion, keep you from receiving God's love, mercy, and goodness. Sin may be a, a part that, 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 that causes it. For example... If you became an alcoholic and you destroyed your liver over time because of excessive alcohol, sin over time did destroy your liver. Or smoking destroyed your lungs. Or an affair or immorality destroyed your family and your marriage and your, even your body got under sexual uh, transmitted diseases or whatever the case may be. Sin may have been a factor, but sin is not always a factor in every single case. But if you have sin, we need to know the message of the gospel. We need to know the message of Christ that we can't let sin keep us from receiving God's salvation, including his mercy and his goodness and his healing. He's saying, don't let your past keep you from receiving God's mercy and goodness. He's saying, don't let your mistakes keep you from receiving God's mercy and his goodness. But you might say, but I know I haven't been living for God the way I should be. And my response to you is, I know. So let's get healed. Let's get saved. Let's change. But I, I've had a bad background, Pastor. I know. So let's get healed. Let's get changed. Let's get delivered. Let's start over. But I've had some bad thoughts. Well, I hope you're not having them now. But let's get healed. Let's get delivered. Let's repent. Let's change our minds. Let's go in a different direction. Okay? Why is this important? Because when you have a desire need, the devil will bombard you with guilt and condemnation. And in order to convince you, God is not going to answer your prayer. I want to say that again. Why am I spending time on this? Because if the prayer of faith will save the sick. But if if you don't know that you're the righteous God of Christ Jesus, the devil will bombard you with guilt and condemnation to convince you that God is not going to answer your prayer. And the devil will convince you God will, help, will do it for anybody but you. He'll isolate you. Just like a lion will isolate the injured from a flock, a herd of other animals. I think enough of us have seen enough African movies that how the lion will isolate the weakest one, the injured one. The devil will isolate you. The God will heal anybody but you. He's isolating you. And the devil will put these guilt trips on you, keeping you from receiving his deliverance, first of all, from maybe whatever sin you are doing. And you also keep you from receiving healing. Not just healing in your body, but also healing emotionally, psychologically, healing the lust of your flesh, and other kind of things that need to come under control. Okay? He's saying, don't let sin 
keep you from receiving from the mercy and goodness of God. Don't let your past, don't let your mistakes keep you from receiving from the mercy and goodness of God. But the prayer of faith, agreement with the elders. That's what the elders. Why, why the elders? Because I don't know about you, but even as a pastor, sometimes I need agreement in prayer. I want to have elders in this church that no matter what kind of week you have, no matter what's going on you have, whatever garbage is going on, whether you're committed sin or whatever, we're going to get you healed. We're going to get you back on the right track. We're, we're not going to let it go on. I'm not just talking about sick, sickness. I'm talking about even sin. We're going to deal with this thing. We're going to nip it in the bud. Let's get the elders involved and let's... <coughs> Let's get you, you whole, spirit, soul, and body, and let you get you healed in your body, your finances, your relationships, and whatnot. Because maybe you're not walking in faith, are, but the elders are. And we're going to get you healed. Because agreement with that will save the sick. And we can see miracles every time. We, you and I, the elders, come together. We can have church every week. We can have church every day. And we don't have to waver when we pray for you. Because the prayer of faith will save the sick. There's no wiggle room here. Is there anyone among you sick? Just call on the elders. And we're going to pray the prayer of faith. And you and the Lord will raise up. We're going to pray the prayer of faith. And you and the Lord... I misspelled something here. But anyway, the Lord will raise you up. Before I take a second look, okay, maybe I missed something. Well, Pastor, we tried that, and so and so died. They went to the elders. And so and so died. They called the elders to come to the hospital. And so and so died. And I don't know why they died. But we're going to pray for you. I don't know why they died, but we're going to believe for you to live. Okay? And I, again, just like with Peter and John, no matter what your mama or Uncle Joe or your pastor said, I'm going to believe James. Over them. Over you. Over me. So how do I know it's God's will to heal? We just dealt with the first one. I'm running out of time here. But I, like I said, we're not going to finish all these days. The second one is, the witness, the first one is the witness of the apostles and the disciples, and I can spend a lot more time with that. I even got with Paul's letters. Okay. But Jesus taught us to minister to the sick. Let's see how far we get with this one before we have to wrap up. It says, Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples came to the Lord and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, in this matter, therefore, pray, O Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil, from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, when we're dealing with the Lord's Prayer, the, Lord, the disciples said, the Lord teach us to pray. He's not teaching us to pray vain repetitions by just praying this prayer with repetitions. How do I know that? Because he just said it two verses before that. 
Just before the Lord's Prayer, the previous verses, he said, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. He's not saying pray this prayer with vain repetitions. He just said that. He, he, he prefaced that. As the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Therefore, do not, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need before you even ask Him. He's also, he's also not teaching them we are to pray to be seen to hurt man. We're not, we're not putting on the show. And he deals with that in the first eight verses of this chapter, in Matthew chapter 8. And then he goes into the prayer. In this manner, not vain repetition, but in this manner, pray. And he starts off with saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed, our holy is your name. He's saying, we have a relationship with God now in this new covenant, here on even earth, as it is in heaven. We have a relationship with God now in the new covenant, in which God is our heavenly Father. And in Christ, you are his children. And every time we need something from God, we need to renew our minds to this, that he is our father, and we are his sons and daughters. Okay? We need to approach on this basis of covenant, that he's my baba, he's my daddy, and I am his child. And we need to approach on the basis that he is our father. And as a son and as a daughter, we have covenant privileges and benefits. To the kingdom. Just like being part of the family of God. Most families, if you're part of the family, there are certain benefits and privileges you have by being part of the family that outsiders do not have. Sometimes some things are just a matter of family business. And we are the part of the family of God. And we call him. Father. Jesus called him Father. Jesus told us that we are to pray in this manner, not in vain repetition, but we are to pray calling him Father. And Jesus had his prayers answered. And when we call upon his name, the name of the Lord, and his name, Jesus' name is Jesus, but the Father's name is Father. There is power invested in the name. And we are not using the name of the Lord in vain. We are not using the name of Jesus in vain as some tag at the end of prayer. We, we can, I'm not saying we can't end our prayer in the name of Jesus. But we are not doing it in vain. We're not doing it religiously. Okay? We are not doing vain repetition. We need to believe, we need to believe what we're saying. We need to know who we are and who we're praying to. We are not using the name of Jesus or the name of our Father, God, in vain. When I pray in the name of Jesus, I'm praying according to his holiness, not mine. Okay? When I pray in the name of Jesus, I'm praying according to his will. Not mine. I have power of eternity to do his will, but my power of eternity is to do his will, not my will. Just like Jesus didn't do his will, he did the will of his Father. And when I pray in the name of Jesus, I pray according to his nature, not mine. And it's going to be manifested. 
his nature. Okay? I'm going to see the things of God when I call him Father. He's my Father. He's my King. His name is Holy. Okay? His name is Righteous. He says, in this matter, pray, our Father in heaven, how be your name? Your kingdom comes. The kingdom of God is here. When Jesus sent the twelve, when Jesus sent the seventy, he said, go preach that the kingdom of God is here. It's not coming, it's here. The kingdom of God is within us. It's in my Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not here and there. The kingdom of God is within this church. The kingdom of God is among us. But how do you know, although everything I said is true, the kingdom of God is here, there are other kingdoms on this earth that are warring against the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king of all kings. But how do you know there are other kings that are warring against the king of kings and the kingdom of God? And because this is true, Jesus told us to pray, God's kingdom come into our hearts and lives. If it's already automatic, if it's not God's will, then why are we to pray it? Okay? When we become saved, his kingdom comes into our spirit. We talked about that in spirit, soul, and body a few weeks ago. The fact the but Jesus also gave many parables about the kingdom of God. And one of those parables he gave was about leaven. And, but like leaven, his kingdom needs to leaven my soul. It, it's in my spirit. But like leaven, his kingdom needs to like leaven my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. Like leaven, his kingdom needs to leaven my body. Leaven my finances. Leaven my home. Leaven my, my relationships, my business, my church. The kingdom of God is here. It's in our spirit. But like leaven, we, <coughs> excuse me, we needed the leaven the whole lump. Okay? And he goes on to say, pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is how I know God's will to heal everybody everywhere. Because that's really what I'm answering here. It's because there's no sickness in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. And most people believe this. Most people believe that there's no sickness in heaven. There will be no more tear, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness. Then why? Let <coughs> me go back. Most people believe that there's no sickness in heaven. I've never counted anyone who just believed that. Okay? But why do many of us, including Christians, struggle praying God's will to be done on the earth as it is in heaven? When we die, our bodies will return to the earth from which they came. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven, our bodies are part of this earth. Are they not? Were our bodies not made from the dust of the earth? And will our bodies not return to the dust of the earth when we die? So when we pray his kingdom come on earth as in heaven, our bodies are part of this earth. 
And if it's, it's not God's will for you to be sick, it's God's will for you to be healed. So we may understand. We may not understand everything. We may not always see healing manifest. But we know that the will, we know the word of God, and we know the God's will to always heal. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, He said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, and they will take up serpents, and they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. What are these signs going to follow? Let's go back here. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. So whose signs will these follow? He didn't say these signs will follow the apostles. So therefore, they died with the apostles. He said they will follow those who believe. They follow believers. Okay? He goes on to say that they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus did not say believers would lay hands on the sick and some will recover. He didn't say you'll lay hands on the sick and you'll get what they got, like COVID or, or leprosy or anything else. Jesus did not say believers would lay hands on the sick and they don't know if they'll recover. No, he said you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And again, some of you will come to me, well, we tried that, and it didn't work. Again, we need to question our, our experiences. We don't need to question what God says. We need to believe what God said and ask God to help us with our experience to line up with what God said. I believe it is God's will to heal according to the Scripture. And it goes on to say that, and so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Folks, God wants to confirm his word with the supernatural. We live in a culture that needs the supernatural. We live in a culture that needs a living, tangible manifesting of God in their lives. <clears throat> Folks, this generation, I'm going to close with this point, but we'll, we'll get to the next points later. I'm going to finish this point. This generation does not believe the scriptures are the word of God. And God wants to confirm his word today in this generation. God wants to confirm in this generation. That's my slide. The prophet spoke of the Messiah. In the Old Testament, they spoke of the Messiah coming, and signs and wonders would follow the Messiah, and they did. But so healing and miracles affirmed Jesus as the Son of God. There's a whole teaching in all time to develop all this. Okay? But the, 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 the things that Jesus did confirmed, there were many things that confirmed that he was the Messiah. One of the things that confirmed that he was the Messiah was the, was the healings and miracles that he did. Okay? It wasn't the only things, and this is not the only thing they confirmed. However, why do we think this generation doesn't need that same affirmation? If signs and wonders confirmed that Jesus was the Son of God, among many other things, 
We need that same affirmation today that the world can know that there is a God and he is alive. I think we need God to affirm the Son of God more today. And where is the Son of God? He's within us. Look at what has happened in our culture with doubt and unbelief, both in the church and in the world. Look at what has happened in our culture with all the false gods and all the false religions. We need Jesus manifested as Lord. Buddha can't help heal you. Muhammad can't heal you. Allah can't hear you. Jesus alone is Lord. Jesus is Lord of all. And Jesus wants to confirm his written word with the supernatural pages of the living God. <coughs> Excuse me. So we've been talking, how do we know the will God wills to heal us? We've dealt with the witness of the apostles and the, and the disciples. And we dealt with Jesus taught us to minister to the sick in both the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Also in Matthew and Mark chapter 16, where there's lay hands on the sick to recover. Next, uh, uh, next week, we're, we're going to talk about how you are God's temple, his house. And there's two more uh, after that we're going to look at. We'll look at those next week as we come to the conclusion of this teaching. I'm out of time for today. I knew I had a lot to cover. Uh, I'm already half. I was only halfway through my slides for today, uh, but uh, anyway, there's, there's a lot here. I don't want to rush through this, but I want. I know I had a lot, lot longer recap from last week, but I just felt like some things just need to be restated, um, and in some ways, uh, a different, in a different way. Um, but there's a lot here, um, uh, so we're going to be talking a lot more in the next few weeks. Anyway, God bless you guys. You guys all have a good week. We will hear from you soon. If you have prayer requests, uh, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, put those in the comments um, and whatnot. And so we'll, we'll talk to you soon. God bless you guys. Have a good week.